from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. Notre Dame is back on the road today, coming off their first win of the season last week. Can the Irish ride the momentum into the bye week and earn a big win at North Carolina this afternoon? Or will Irish fans be sulking in misery with their team sitting at 1-3, heading into a bye week by the time 8 p.m. rolls around tonight? Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. So glad to be with you this morning on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Joined by John Brock. John, no question, it'll be a tough one today versus North Carolina, which has an explosive offense and a terrible defense. And getting that first win over Cal last week was not easy either. Just feels like whether the season ends up going, whichever direction, kind of feels like we're going to learn a lot today. I feel like we said that the last couple weeks. But we expected them to be Marshall, so we didn't expect it then. Cal, you're like, okay, it's going to be really off the walls if you lose. And now you find out, okay, two and two, one and three. Those are big differences. Well, this is basically the recovery game. If you win it, you're two and two, 500. You lose it, you're down to one and three. I mean, this is the game where if you want to recover and get momentum, you have to do it now. And it won't be easy. As you mentioned, the offense for North Carolina is astounding, and there's six most points per game in the country of any team. I mean, it's going to be a tough one for the Irish, and if they want to build momentum going forward, it's a must-win. All right, on tap on this morning's show, our Focus on Faith interview is with former Irish quarterback Brandon Wimbush. He gives great perspective on how losing the starting quarterback job for, from Notre Dame helped him learn the powerful lesson of overcoming hardship and how that has now set him up for success in the business world, running his own NIL company, Mogul, plus how that helped him, how faith helped him get through those tough times and how he's now giving back through his faith at this time. Brandon also gives his take on the viral Tommy Reese video uh, looking to motivate Drew Pine. That's coming up next segment. Speaking of Drew Pine and Tommy Reese, we will hear from both of them later this segment as Pine gets his get, got his first win of his career last week. But boy, man, that was ugly early on for Drew Pine. We'll also hear from the Irish defense on finally coming up with a big fourth quarter stop, or I should say stops, as they didn't give up any points last week for the first time in the fourth quarter. Of course, we will spend a good chunk of time breaking down this matchup with North Carolina. Also, a matter of full disclosure, we are pre-taping the show on Thursday evening. Normally, we are live, but I'm headed to Philly for my cousin's wedding, so we had to pre-tape this one. So if anything crazy happens from Thursday night into Saturday morning and you're wa- you're wondering why we are not discussing it, that's the reason. It's the wedding of the other Angel DiCarlo, so congrats to my older cousin. Also, congrats to a close family friend, Catherine Conies, who's getting married here in South Bend. Uh, on this Saturday, a different wedding, two different days, uh, and uh, two good people. So we're happy for both of them. Okay, enough about wedding season. Let's talk about, uh, well, the honeymoon period ended for Marcus Freeman uh, with the losses to Ohio State and Marshall. But he gets his first career win, finally, as the Notre Dame head coach last week, as Notre Dame defeated Cal 24-17. But again, now at 1-2, and two, John, do you have a better feeling about where you feel the program stands than you were a week ago? Well, I think obviously there's a better understanding of where things stand, but that's not necessarily uh, meaning that things stand in a better place now. And it's definitely a lot still in the air, especially a new quarterback just one game in in Pine. And a lot of questions with the mistakes that he was making on offense, the mistakes the offense and defense were making. But I think that all of that is the state of the program right now, kind of just a little bit of a mess with mistakes needing to be corrected and the defense needing to get a little bit of, a little bit together, especially as we saw late in the game last week against Cal. They, they let Cal almost get back in and, and possibly win that game. So still a lot up in the air, but I think that just is the state of the program. Yeah, It's like, yeah, it's it's not good signs, but you know what. <laughs> but this, you know where they are. They are who they are. Exactly. <laughs> and you and you're starting to realize, yeah, this kind of is who they are. The defense is pretty good, not excellent, 
pretty good. The defense is pretty bad. Not awful, but certainly not good. And that's kind of who they are. And that means you can beat Cal. You can lose to Cal. You can... You should never lose to Marshall, but you can beat North Carolina. You can lose to North Carolina. Absolutely. So, so all right. I asked the same poll question once again because this is now going to become our uh, <laughs> our confidence reader for the season uh, to see our confidence poll in some ways. How many wins does Notre Dame end up with? This is now three weeks in a row. Before the Marshall game, eight wins or less only had 7% of the vote, and 70% of those voting thought they would win 10 or more games. In the regular season. And then, of course, they lost to Marshall. So, last week, seven or less had 38%. Eight wins had 42%. Nine wins, 14%. Ten wins all the way down to 6%, mainly because he had a win out. 80% said last week, eight wins or less. Okay. A little more confidence now. It's down to 75%, say, eight or less. Not much better, but a little bit movement on in that regard as uh, as we got the votes in here for Notre Dame. But I don't know. It's it's forty three percent still say seven or less. In fact, that number went up. The seven or less went up, uh, and I feel like John's ready to say, "I don't blame you," and I might be in that boat. Well, I don't blame you, but that still surprises me a little bit because I'm looking at this and I'm I'm thinking, well, ten wins is still on the table. That's an accomplishment for them. Well, like, yeah, but that's so, if they win out. I know, but I'm saying that. That's you think this step team's one is winning win- out right now? I don't. I I don't think they're winning out. But I'm saying I'm surprised that the seven or less increased. I mean, I think. I think there will be seven or more. That's my opinion. I think well, seven is the minimum. That's a cop out. That wasn't one of the options. It I was know, seven I or know. less, eight <laughs> or nine or ten. So which one do you want to go with? You got. You can't say seven or more. You're either going with seven, eight, nine, or ten. I think eight is the most likely. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, they play two top ten teams exactly. still on the schedule. Uh, they still have USC and they still have Clemson. They still have BYU. Yeah, they lost, but they lost to a good team, and uh, it's a it's. In their backyard in in Vegas, that'll be more Notre Dame fans than BYU fans, but still in their backyard, less travel. And then you have North Carolina. You have you have games that suddenly you're like, "Oof," you know what I mean. And if you lose today, now you're going uh, six and six seems yeah. very plausible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and here's the bottom line: if they just lose to the three top twenty five teams left on their schedule, they're seven and five. Yeah, that's the thing. And if they if they beat two of those three, that's only nine and nine and three. Well, here's the and, thing, though. and not lose to anyone else. I, I think Notre Dame, as many people will comment, Notre Dame plays up against top twenty-five upper-level opponents. I mean, they didn't play bad against Ohio State, who's a top-ranked team right now. Yeah, that's true. And so you look at that, and you know, I think any game on the schedule at this point, whether it's Clemson or UNC, I think you're looking at it and go, well, they could win, or they could get blown out. You never know. Yeah, I don't know if they'll get blown out against North Carolina, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. All right, uh, so you're saying eight wins. I, I'm sticking at eight wins. And before the season, I was at 10. You were at nine. So you've been closer <laughs> in that regard. You've been more consistent than I have been. All right, Irish Sports Saturdays. Thanks, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, for underwriting the show as largest Catholic-oriented credit union in America. Notre Dame FCU serves the church in many dioceses. For 80-plus years, they put people over profits. NotreDameFCU.com slash Elevate. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right, Notre Dame and North Carolina here. They're going to play for the third straight season, 3.30 p.m., kickoff on ABC this afternoon 23rd all-time meeting Notre Dame leads 20 to 2 Notre Dame won in 2020 and then again last year last year's game 44-34 North Carolina has one of the most prolific offenses in the country they're averaging 51 points per game now they've played Florida A&M Appalachian State and Georgia State so it's not like I mean Appalachian State's got one of the best wins of the season but they're Appalachian State okay Uh, that game was 63-61 by the way, we'll point out their defense is horrific. Uh, they're giving up 37.7 points per game. Let me say this. If North Carolina scores 35, do you think Notre Dame can score 36? I think they could. I think Notre okay, Dame Okay, hangs. okay, hold on, hold on. No, hold on. I, think they, I think it's a w- real possibility. Okay, hold on, hold on. If North Carolina scores 35, will Notre Dame score 36? Yes, I think they will. That's a very strong hesitation. I, it's, Those are two it's different a, questions, tight, you notice? It's a, that's a tight situation, but I think 
I think yet again, we're going to watch this game and it's going to be another really close battle. I personally don't even think either team's going to score 35 points. What? I, I don't. I, you, we'll see. But it's it's going to be a, a tight game, I think. And I think whatever North Carolina scores, Notre Dame's going to be right there with them. Okay. Uh, and one of the ways that it might not be a high-scoring game is if Notre Dame does something similar to the Ohio State game. Marcus Freeman was asked about this week if your strategy, your game plan will be similar to what you did against Ohio State. The game plan versus Ohio State was, was specific to Ohio State. We'll look at where our team is now and, and who we're facing offensively and defensively, right? Some of those decisions are because of both sides of the ball. Um, and so, you know, listen, we know they're explosive offense, and we, we obviously don't want to get into a shootout. Um, and I don't think anybody in our program wants to do that, you know, especially not the defensive side of the ball. And so we have to find ways to stop them, you know, not just limit their, their opportunities, but we got to find ways to stop their offense and, and be creative in terms of our plan defensively and uh, offensively. we got to be able to control the ball. And, but we're also going to score some points. You know, it's not – I don't expect it to be a 7-10 to, to 10 game at the end of third quarter like it was at Ohio State. You know, this is going to be a game that we're going to have to score some points and we're truly going to have to limit them defensively. All right, so Marcus Freeman doesn't think it'll be as low scoring as the Ohio State game. I don't see it being that way because mainly because Notre Dame didn't take any chances against Ohio State. They got to take some chances against North Carolina. There's no question they have to take chances, especially Drew Pine – didn't really take any. They didn't take any chances he didn't last. Throw week. the ball over three yards. It felt like at exactly. any point. Exactly, and they ran. I mean, you I mean he did. The he threw it fifteen yards over Michael <laughs> Mayer's head. Fifteen yards over his head, or if it's within three yards, it's at right his at his feet. That so, was on the same drive, I think. Right? I that, mean, that was, it was, and eventually it picked up and, and it got into his groove. So you got to take the momentum that Pine, I think, was feeling at the end of the at game. the end of the game, and you got to carry that forward through this game and and make an actual. Notre Dame Division One taking chances offense that Tommy Reese wants wow. to coach. So who who but who do you take chances to? I guess Styles and Lindsay. You got you, you got to be able to get it to him though. Here's the thing: Mayer draws all this attention, but Styles is the leading receiver, and so well, yeah. They uh, Mayer got those early targets and then did nothing the rest of the exactly. game because they were they they took him out of the game. Not to mention Tyree, who they had not been using at finally, all. Finally, finally, they are used finally it. working into the passing game and the running game. So I think if you're able to get him going in the running game and then balance out the passing game with those three guys, you really could open up the playbook and open up the field, and that's how they do it. Look, if they don't open up the playbook or they they open up the playbook and they don't find success, that it, against this uh, defense, you got a lot of problems yeah. because this is the worst defense they've faced this year. It's not even close. Well, it might be the best. It's one of the two best offenses, but it's unquestionably the worst defense, and that includes Marshall. Marshall's defense is better than North Carolina's. I'm, I'm just gonna say it right now. But the Notre Dame offense played down in that game yet again. So yes. it, 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 that is the problem: is if they go in thinking, "Oh, this is the worst defense we're put, facing all year," and Drew Pine is not improving from that that start that he had last week, it could be a real problem. All right. So when Drew Pine was starting awful. Uh, last week, uh, Tommy Reese spotted on the NBC cameras uh, getting on Drew Pine. What did you, uh, as a former quarterback, what did you make of that when you saw that video? I think that's what a coach is there for. I mean, if the player, if Drew Pine, if the quarterback is not stepping up and playing game and he's in a rut, someone's got to pull him out of that rut. And there is sometimes some strong language and some yelling has to be done to do that, or else you're just going to get complacent with how bad you're playing and keep going in that direction. I think. As I think Tommy Reese did the right thing at the right time, and I think it's ultimately what got their offense going. Here's Drew Pine and Tommy Reese and the motivational speech. Pine addressed the media like 15 minutes after the game was over, and guess what? He saw the video. I saw that video. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, Coach Reese, I always, you know, I tell him to be hard on me. I texted him this Sunday, and I said, I want you to be very hard on me in practice. I'm going to treat practice like a game, and I want you to as well. And, you know, that's the standard he holds me to, and that's what, you know, I ask for. And I respond well to hard coaching. And because, you know, Coach Reese, I've known him for seven, eight years, and he just wants me to be at my best. And, you know, I prepared so hard. And, you know, to come out, you know, a little slow is, you know, he doesn't – that's not the standard he holds me to, and that's not the standard I hold myself to. And Certain guys need certain types of coaching in certain moments. Um, not proud of the language I used, but um, I know Drew can – 
seek out and handle tough coaching and things to, to kind of light a fire and create a sense of urgency. And so in that moment, we felt like it was the right thing for the right player. And, um, you know, he responded the way we, we counted on him to and proud of him for that. Well, you know, ever since I got here my freshman year, you know, he, he held Ian to very high standard as well. And, you know, as you guys know, I was very close with Ian. And so he held me to high standard as well. And so ever since my freshman year, I've been, he's coached me hard, but he's coached me hard to get me better in, you know, to make me a better person, to make me a better player. It was a little bit of a, a turning point and a breaking point for us. Um, you know, he was disappointed. Um, you know, it was more of trying to get him to kind of not bat an eye. And if I'm lighting the fire under him, it doesn't give him time to uh, get down on himself or reflect about, you know, the previous plays and to just keep things moving forward and, and keep um, keep doing our job for our team and, and understanding that he's one of 11 offensively. And when you have 10 guys doing theirs and we're not, we got to make sure that, that we're able to keep things going in the positive direction. Um, you know, I know his message and, you know, some – whether he yells, whatever, whether whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. He's he, whatever he's telling me. He's telling me that for me to get better, and he's doing it with great intentions, and you know, it worked. Did uh, did you catch Reese having a little bit of a chuckle when he said doing doing your job? Because that's kind of what he said, uh, with with a little extra word in there that we obviously can't repeat. On any radio, let alone Catholic radio, that is the part that Reese apologized for. Um, and Marcus Freeman was asked about it uh, on Thursday, and asked, and he basically said, "Look, this was probably a bigger issue outside of the program than within the program because we coach our guys hard, and that's the bottom line." And and he acknowledged though, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that, and he points out, Freeman says, "Look, I got six kids. Do I want them to see that?" And that's what he that's what he means. And 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 Reese was asked, "Hey, do you have a problem with?" There being a camera in the box, it's part of the job, you know. Yeah, you know, he didn't like my question when I asked him if he if if he was happy to be a meme that'll be used to motivate coworkers throughout the country for the rest of their lives. He didn't appreciate that part because he knew he had to apologize for it. But <laughs> look, this is what happens. You know, c- coaches will use foul language at times to get their point across, and and that's what happened here. And the bottom line is, in the end, it worked. I'm sure Reese will be much more careful or cover his mouth up, put something up over his face when he's doing some of these things so that it doesn't happen. But in the heat of the moment, it's it, it can happen. We understand it, it, it can and will happen. He put a Gatorade bottle right there by the camera. Thinking, I think he thought it might have blocked some things, but it, it didn't. It did but it. He, definitely, uh, he definitely got his point across. I think he, he probably could have worded it different, but when you're a coach in the heat of the moment, that that's what you do, and, and ultimately... He coached well at that at that point in that game, and it worked. I will say, if they lose the game, though, that's not a good True. look, and it's going to be used against them for eternity. And in fact, if this season still goes sideways, it's still going to get used against them. It it everyone knows it happens, but it still gets used against you when things go wrong. Yeah, if if things go right, nobody bats an eye, and it's just the way society is, right? All right, let's uh let's flip the side now. We talk about the offense there. The defense did not give up a point in the fourth quarter, allowing Notre Dame to hold on to win by seven. Uh, I asked defense lineman Howard Cross and defense coordinator Al Golden if the team needed that, needed to see that, to have confidence moving forward that they could get those fourth quarter stops that they weren't able to get against Ohio State and Marshall. Everybody wanted to see that and be like, all right, like right, we're going to do this. We can do this, and we can be better, way better than what we were over the weekend, and we're going to be better. And obviously the fourth quarter, if we're doing this well all game, let's just do it for another 15 more minutes. It's not, it's not hard. So, I mean, I think seeing that, we know that, we know that we're going to do it every game from now on at like three, four times the speed we were doing it. For me, being down there, um, I could tell it, it just felt different. You know, it just, uh, they, they were very confident. Um, it wasn't all perfect. You know, we, we let them have a big run there, and um, I think they went ahead with that one. But, um, you know, they, they kind of relished in the battle as opposed to wanting it to be perfect. And, and that's a big thing. We got to really enjoy the battle in the fourth. And uh, for them to have success in the way they had success, you know, is good because it was, you know, it felt like the game was over. And then the game wasn't over. Then it felt like the game was over again, and it wasn't over. So they had to do that three times on top of trying to finish in the fourth. So that was that was good that they had success doing it that way. This is my 16th season covering Notre Dame football. That was one of the weirdest, strangest final minutes I've ever seen. And I thought for sure Cal was going to catch 
that Hail Mary, go for two and win, and this was just going to steamroll. Again, to recap, Clarence Lewis had an interception to ice the game, but J.D. Bertrand got called for targeting, so Cal got another chance. Bertrand, by the way, out for the first half today because of that. Tariq Bracey had a fumble recovery return for a touchdown, uh, but was ruled down. And Jack Plummer, Hail Mary, almost caught, was laying on a Cal player in the end zone and rolled off. So Notre Dame still has no turnovers that they've caused so far this year. Uh, but kind of crazy how that play developed at the at the end of the game. But it show, it gave the defense a couple more opportunities to show they could bend but not break. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a unlucky with the, the, the calls and the things not going their way. And then a little bit... Very lucky with the ball rolling off. It felt like it was in the air for about five minutes before it hit the ground. So they definitely bend and, and don't break there, but they they still gave up a little more than you want them to. Even though they didn't give up the, the touchdown in the fourth quarter, they did let Cal move the ball a little bit when they shouldn't have. Speaking of lucky, uh, Notre Dame got a freebie early in the game. Uh, there was an offsides called against Cal that there was nobody remotely offsides on a missed field goal, and then it led to Notre Dame's first touchdown. Now, also, by the way, there was a couple of drop balls by Cal that weren't called and led to one of at least one of their touchdowns also. So the refs in general weren't yeah. weren't the best, so it kind of evened out, but worth Worth noting. All right, our fall Sherathon benefiting Redeemer Radio and Spoke Street Media is now in the books, but that doesn't mean you can't still donate to help keep Catholic Radio and programs like Irish Sports Saturdays going strong. Just go to RedeemerRadio.com to make your pledge of support. And for those listening on Iowa Catholic Radio, make a pledge to support them as well. Coming up, I chat with former Irish quarterback Brandon Wimbush about the Tommy Reese and Drew Pine coaching situation. Wimbush explains why he loved that motivational video. Plus, he tells us how his faith helped him get through the difficult times of being benched as the Notre Dame starting quarterback and how overcoming that adversity has set him up for success in life after football. That's next when Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988. With 21 locations, Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care. Indiana Physical Therapy, where people go to get better. All right, time now for our Faith Family Football Focus on Faith interview. Notre Dame starting quarterback in 2017 was, of course, Brandon Wimbush, led the Irish to a 10-3 season, started 2018 as the starter, was 3-0, when he was then replaced by Ian Book as the starting quarterback. Now, Wimbush did not let that deter him from being a good teammate and leader on the team. And when Book went down with an injury late in the season, Wimbush stepped in for one week to lead the Irish to victory on senior day as Notre Dame finished the regular season undefeated that year. Wimbush discusses how his faith got him through those difficult moments and how the life lesson of overcoming adversity has set him up for success in life after football. He co-founded Mogul, a company helping athletes in the name, image, and likeness era. And he's even doing prayers on the Hallow app, which is the number one rated Catholic prayer app. And, oh, by the way, he weighs in on the Tommy Reese yelling at Drew Pine video. Wimbush says he absolutely loved it. We'll hear all of that coming up. Here's our Focus on Faith interview with former Irish quarterback Brandon Wimbush. All right, Brandon, Saul, recently you did some meditations and some prayers for the Hallow app, the Catholic Prayer app, a prayer for after a win and a prayer for after a loss. Just uh, tell us a little bit about this and how this came to be, that this partnership with Hallow uh, happened for you. Yeah, Angela. First off, thanks so much for having me. The Hallow partnership was special in the making, a uh, long time overdue, being that uh, Hallow's co-founders, Alex, um, and then their chief um, marketing and, and influencer officer is also a Notre Dame grad, right? So this was something that we've been working on. And um, the Hallow team was actually, people, you know, a group of individuals that we tapped tapped on as we got, you know, through the building process as a startup. 
um, they were going through a very similar process. So this was always something long in the making. And, you know, they had the idea around wanting to work with specifically Notre Dame athletes and high profile athletes, including, you know, myself and uh, guys like Brady Quinn, Chris Fink and coach, coach Lou Holtz and Skylar Diggins. And, you know, now they saw the Manti Teo documentary and they thought he'd be a, uh, another fantastic fit as well. So this was always on their radar and I was happy to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, as, as the co-founder of mobile, I was also happy to include some of those high profile athletes, um, and execute on, on their behalf. Is praying after a win or a loss, something that was very big for you when you were playing? Honestly, Angelo, it, it wasn't right. But meditating and getting in a right mental frame of mind was something that, that was big for me pregame, whether that meant sitting in my locker for five minutes or whether that meant uh, spending alone time and quiet time in the hotel room uh, before the game. Like those were my settings on where I kind of just, you know, relieved myself of, of any stress, uh, understanding that I was playing the game, understanding that there was so much more to life, understanding that I was, that I was ultimately prepared to go out and, and compete. That's kind of my mental routine that I had, you know, leading up to the game. Uh, but prayer was always a part of it too, right? Like we had mass before every game. Uh, you know, we did the same thing when I was in high school. So it was always kind of a part of my routine, kind of just naturally. You mentioned uh, high school as well. You you aren't Catholic, but you attended Catholic high school. Um, yeah. And obviously, you went to a Catholic university at Notre Dame. You know, what did, what were the benefits of that for you in terms of helping you grow in your Christian faith? Yeah, I think just spiritually being on those two campuses, right? I went to a prep school. A Jesuit school, which is a form of a, of Catholicism, and then it was a really it made it it made it for an easy transition uh, to Notre Dame, and and um, kind of being around the same types of, of folks, understanding um, understanding you know the importance of of the spiritual dynamic of our lives. Um, it was just embedded in everything that we did, from from going to class to preparing for games, uh, and you know to finishing up games to how we ate, kind of your everyday process. You had to come across something that was there was a spiritual component to it, to to you know to even taking classes and being taught by by uh, by priests, right? So, two phenomenal experiences and obviously things that I I uh, maintain in my daily rituals today. Former Notre Dame quarterback Brandon Wimbush joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. This is our Focus on Faith interview, faith, family, football, as we like to call it, the intersection of here surrounding Notre Dame athletics. You know, Brandon, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, you know, when you were, I think, a freshman, I guess would have been, when you guys were playing in the Fiesta Bowl, you guys went over to Ikea as uh, the team bonding thing. I remember seeing you really working hard with with a kid there, uh, building a bed for him, helping him out, and you were really into it. You were one of the players that was really into it, and then all of a sudden – you looked around, and the kid you were working with was gone. Do you remember that? Uh, he kind of he kind of left you for a second, and you were wondering where the heck did he go? Yeah, I kind of do remember that. I don't know why it's kind of a, a vague memory, but that's just something that we love to do, right? Giving back to the community and uh, knowing that there's so much more to the Notre Dame football program than just playing ball. That kind of intertwines into the spiritual component, right? I mean, we did that every day on my birthday. For the other four years, we, we would always go back to Meyer in South Bend and take 100 kids with us and give them a shopping experience um, of their lifetime around Christmas time. So uh, that was just one of those experiences. But, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of do remember the kids just kind of roaming off and us having this completely full bed built and just like, what are we going to do with it now? <laughs> I'll I'll, let, I'll remind you of where he ended up. He ended up with Corey Robinson, and Corey had about twelve <laughs> kids surrounding him because that's that's who Corey was too, right? Yeah. It was like some yeah. way somehow every kid he wanted to be around him. Everyone was getting around Corey. I always laughed that that was uh, you know kind of, kind of your start out of the gate. You know, uh, yeah. people forget you you were thirteen and three as a starter at Notre Dame, including of course three and zero in twenty eighteen before yeah. you were replaced as a starter by Ian Book. Yeah, how difficult was that to process at the time because you guys were winning it wasn't like hey you were yeah. getting relieved of your duties because you were zero and three you were three yeah. how were you able to process that um brandon yeah i just got chills man because it's it's not easy it'll never be easy but i I've, I've done a really good job of kind of looking forward 
right? And and what can you learn from that that uh, that scenario within your life? But it wasn't easy. Again, as a competitor, that's the last thing that you know you want to happen is to get taken out of your role and your position, especially as a starting quarterback um, at Notre Dame. But you have to make the decision to be a good teammate, teammate, right? And and support the guy who's next up in line. And um, again, it's bigger than yourself. Uh, you're playing for a community, playing for a university, especially at Notre Dame, um, and that people want to see you win. So, you know, I mean, for me, it was taking a step back, understanding what was going on, processing everything that was going on, and then becoming a good, uh, becoming a good teammate to Ian and the rest of the guys, and helping the team win, which we did, and we went 12 and 0 that year. And you know, I think I, I know I did come up big um, once we were t- once we were nine, you know, and then. We had to go play Florida State to continue on the uh, undefeated path there. Yeah, you kept that positive attitude, and you helped lead Notre Dame to victory against Florida State on senior day when when Ian got injured. Just what did that game mean to you, to have one more opportunity um, and obviously what was a big game for that season? Because if you you didn't have the right mindset, that could have went a totally different direction, right? But um, So what did that game mean to you to have one more opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it meant a lot. And the biggest thing for me that, that meant even more than the opportunity was that my teammates like completely supported me throughout that entire week. And you should, you know, Coach Lee was the defensive coordinator at the time as a head coach at, at Vanderbilt. And I remember one of the guys on the defense coming up to me and saying that, you know, Coach Lee is, is in full support of you, man, and we're going to do some it's – been, it's been noted in the uh, defensive locker room that we're doing all we can this week to make sure that, uh, you know, the offense is put in the best positions throughout the game to win and, and to make, you know, to, to, to have a productive day. So that spoke volumes to me and kind of gave me a lot of confidence early in the week that everybody was on board, everybody was confident in me, and uh, that we were going to win the game. Did your faith help you during that time, that during that season? Because th- you question a lot of stuff, right, at that at that time. Did yeah. that help you? And you were obviously seemed like such a grounded individual. W- was your faith a, a key in keeping you together during those times, like kind of what you were explaining yeah. before? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't get through that without, without your faith and without your support system and without a, a mental frame, right? Like – I could have went and gone off the walls. Um, but again, I, I, I stayed, I stayed in my faith. I stayed in my Bible. Um, you know, I wasn't using Halo at the time. I don't think it was, uh, even, a, a, a operating company at the time, but mentally we had a, you know, sports psychologist that we had access to all the time. Um, so there was always that kind of extra, you know, added benefits for, for us. Um, but faith wise, man, like that was the only thing to keep me going. Um, understanding that, you know, following God's lead, understanding that I wanted people to feel me, uh, or feel God through, through me and their conversations with me and see that I was continuing to smile and, and live through him was really, um, was really a big part of, of why I came out of that year with a smile on my face. Yeah, and having that smile on your face, ultimately, you know, your football experience at Notre Dame maybe didn't go the way you wanted. You finished up at UCF in that regard. But in terms of your Notre Dame experience as a whole, um, Brandon, what did it mean to you? Yeah, I, I don't even know if I can put words into uh, – if I can speak it into words, honestly, Angelo, what it meant to me. But and it's very cliche, but the people there that you run into are kind of people that are going to last for a lifetime. And so – I was able to and fortunate enough to experience that. And, and I mean, there's, there's so much, right. That I can kind of weigh in on, but that, that experience from a football standpoint, going through that, those trials, I think just set me up for the remainder of my life. Um, and understanding what hardship felt like and how to come out of hardship and how to have perspective and how to continue to stay in your faith and trust in the Lord. So all those different things, right. Uh, I think that's what college is for especially if you're doing it on your own. But, you know, so all that into one. <laughs> Former Notre Dame quarterback Brandon Wimbos joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, Brandon, you kind of were at the forefront of name, image, and likeness with the formation of Mogul. Kind of tell us about how you developed this because, correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like you guys were developing Mogul before NIL was actually officially a thing, right? 
Yeah, we were well before. Shout out to my business partner, Inside. I was a former Notre Dame grad as well, and his foresight to see the opportunity before it um, before it was existent. Um, he had begun running, begun writing a business plan back in October of 2019 when, um, you know, he 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 took what he saw on TV in this case, which was California's governor, Gavin Newsom on LeBron James show, uh, the shop. And, you know, he signed into a bill that day, given the, um, allowing college athletes in the state of California to make money come January, 2023. So since then we've been building, uh, he reached out to me trying to get an athlete perspective, understand what athletes needed uh, from this experience. And, and ever since then, again, we've, you know, we've, we've progressed and it's been one of our advantages that we've been in business for, you know, close to three years now. All right. Uh, Notre Dame, obviously, uh, at the forefront of those listening here's mind being a Notre Dame football show. How does Notre Dame survive in the NIL era, do you feel, Brandon? Because it's different than other places. They're not going to have um, they're not going to do things the same way some other colleges would. How does Notre Dame survive in the NIL era? By doing it right, doing it the right way and having the people support and who support the program doing everything the right way. And, I mean, that's been a consistent and a, or a constant, I should say, um, ever since we've engaged with Notre Dame from an NIL perspective is that they're going to take their time to, to figure it out and the best way to do it, right? Optimize the opportunity for their athletes and, and there's so much more than NIL for, for Notre Dame. Wanted to ask you about the current team a little bit. Did you get a chance to uh, see the the viral video of uh, Tommy Reese getting on Drew Pine during the first half yeah. of the game? Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> what did you make of that? Uh, it's just Tommy coaching his guys and telling Drew that we prepared for this and um, just stay, you know, just stay, understand your coaching and, and, and take your coaching and apply it. Right, because I, I know for a fact when Tommy gets that uh, adamant about something that it was something that they they went over at least at least four times during the week, right? So you're supposed to retain that information and apply it, um, and, and, and ultimately, as a quarterback, you're supposed to make the throw, right? Make the right decision, make the throw. That's your job. And then, what does it say about Drew Pine that uh, he took that and? St- Led Notre Dame yeah. in scoring drives on four of the next five possessions. Obviously, it worked. Yeah, exactly. So, again, that's why you practice. And um, that's why you run those plays during the week. And you understand your reads. And you understand where to go with the ball. Uh, because you have one of the smartest guys coaching you as, as a quarterback coach. And you're lucky and blessed for that. And, and Drew understands that. And so, you know, he trusts in his coach. So it was great to see and, and, and really excited for Drew to continue to lead this team uh, for the rest of the year and see his growth. Quarterback's such a mental game, Brandon, as much as it is physical. How critical was it for Drew to to have that bounce back second half? Obviously, things almost felt like they couldn't go worse for him in the first half, but then he played so well after that. How, how important was that for him um, now to help him now for the rest of the season? He's big. Um, Again, I, I wish I would have caught more of the second half, but I think just in general, right, concept of having a big half puts you on a path to have, you know, start the game, the next game with much more confidence. Everybody else you, everybody else around you has much more confidence in your abilities, uh, which I don't think we're ever in doubt with Drew, but knowing that he can come in and, and lead the team to victory, essentially from behind, is, is a good thing for, for a young guy and, and for his uh, – for his own boost of confidence. So I'm looking forward to it again the rest of the season. Brandon, thank you very much for, for taking the time with be, to be with us today. You got it, Angela. Thanks for having me. That's former Irish quarterback Brandon Wimbush in our Focus on Faith interview. Uh, I just uh, I, I loved his honesty in, in different points and, and just uh, his perspective of being a few years removed uh, on many different levels. He... he he can get us from NIL to being the quarterback to the current quarterback situation to to faith, a little bit of everything there. Yeah, just a great interview. with. He's such a wise guy is yeah. what I got from that interview. And, you know, I loved he was talking about when he did become the backup and, and Book took over. 
you know, just wanting to be that good guy on the team that everyone still wanted to be be around and have around. And I think, you know, having that person around a, a program is just a great thing to have. And I think we hear a lot of that about Drew Pine. Just he was the backup before last week. And, you know, he was still that guy who was a leader and a great guy to have around. And so I think a great omen for him possibly this season and, of course, going forward, obviously, Brandon having a lot of success after college as well. Yeah, I think that respect factor, you're right, is kind of common between those two. So there is kind of a, a link in many ways. But, man, in some ways, man, don't you wish uh, – Irish fans probably wish they had a Brandon Wimbush right now to, to be the quarterback, to have that – uh, that type of player back there uh, that could that could help right now. All right, uh, John didn't want to go with that one. <laughs> a reminder that Redeemer Radio and Spokestream Media are listener-supported nonprofit Catholic media organizations. We aren't here broadcasting shows like this without your support. If you would like to assist, head to RedeemerRadio.com to make a pledge to help support us during our fall share-a-thon that is just wrapping up this week. And for those listening on Iowa Catholic Radio, make a pledge of support to support them as well. Time for... A break when we return. It's our game day sprint to kick off. Marcus Freeman and Isaiah Foskey break down UNC's prolific offense. Plus, we give our predictions on what happens this afternoon. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill. Except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets. Tony is a parishioner at Quinnipiac Catholic Church in Mishawaka and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family, or individual health insurance or life insurance. His number is 855-776-2438. His website is tletcher.com. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock, back with you here. It's our game day sprint to kickoff on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays as 1-2 Notre Dame goes on the road to 3-0 North Carolina, 3.30 p.m. kickoff on ABC, 23rd all-time meeting. The Irish lead the series 20-2. Third straight year they're playing each other. Notre Dame won 31-17 in 2020 and 44-34 in 2021. North Carolina beat Florida A&M in its first game of the season 56-24. Then they beat Appalachian State 63-61. Was that a Madden game? And then they beat Georgia State 35-28. I mean, they only beat Georgia State last week 35-28. Okay, so... There you go. That's that's where they're at right now. But no question, John, um, they're really good, and their offense in particular is really good. And they put up 63 points in Appalachian State without Josh Downs, their star-wide receiver, who did not play the last two games. Last year had 101 receptions, 1,355 yards. He had 10 catches against Notre Dame, but no touchdowns in that game. He's, he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. Well, the question is, how effective is he going to be coming back? He's a fantastic wide receiver. They've got a great quarterback to throw to him. Is he going to be able to be full speed going on those routes? That's a question. But either way, it's a, it's an impressive UNC offense. And they've got, you know, you said 51.3 points per game. But they also have three times as many touchdowns as Notre Dame has this season. They have 21, Notre Dame with just seven. So it's in every stat category they look insanely impressive, especially when you compare it to Notre Dame's. Of course, you look at the competition. Notre Dame played Ohio State. Of course, Cal and, and Marshall maybe not, uh, maybe closer to equal, but still Cal, Ohio State, uh, a lot above Georgia State and and Florida A&M, and even Appalachian State, even though they do have that big upset, upset still comparable to a Marshall kind of. So it's a little bit different competition. I would say about Downs, by the way. Remember, they were on the bye last week. So yeah. I bet you if Georgia State, if if North, Notre Dame was on the schedule two weeks ago, they probably would have played him. It's like, eh, we, we should win this one. Let's hold him out one more week. And then he's got an extra two weeks to prepare. So um, all signs point to him being okay. Um, Drake May stepped in for Sam Howells, completing 74% of his passes. He's got 11 touchdowns and one interception, 310 yards per game, and he's got 165 yards rushing, so he's been really good at quarterback as well. Well, and he was an Alabama commit before he ended up at UNC, so he's uh, no question an athletic 
fantastic quarterback, and that's something Notre Dame struggled with. Even uh, Plummer last week, when he wouldn't pass, he's not much of a runner, but he was getting yards on top of yards against Notre Dame. So if that happens against Drake May, he could really take advantage of this Notre Dame defense. Here's Marcus Freeman and Isaiah Foskey on North Carolina's offense. This quarterback is playing really really good football right now and I know he's a young guy but he is playing as good as any quarterback in the country and you know I, I, we expect downs to be back um, from injury and so listen we got our work cut out for us um, they're going to try to take advantage of what you give them defensively that's what um, they're able to do and, and they're going to go at different tempos and they're going to make you get lined up fast and that was something last year we weren't able to do and so we have to be prepared and have to make sure we have a good plan to, to try to limit what they do offensively especially their receivers especially josh downs last year was uh sam howell he was pretty tough to take down but happy he's not there anymore but they have a really good quarterback too number 10 he's not like sam howell like running well or running like him but he's able to run the ball well, pretty well. And so that's like a biggest challenge is getting a quarterback down on the draws and stopping Josh Downs, but he's an explosive receiver. I don't know if you can completely shut down Josh Downs. He's a, he's a really good football player. I don't love hearing a stat line of 10-plus catches and 100-and-something yards. It's too much as a you know defensive as a former defensive coordinator, it's still a lot. You know, I don't care how many touchdowns you have. You're putting your offense in four position. total minutes coming out. Doing that. So okay. we can't do a let Josh Downs get his. we got to find ways to try to, you know, limit his catches and, and what he does after the catch. That's probably the most dangerous thing Josh Downs does. He gets the ball in his hands and he makes people miss and he takes a three-yard gain and makes it a 20-yard gain. And so that's going to be a huge challenge for us. And let's not forget that Notre Dame has not exactly been the best tackling team. So getting Josh Downs down is going to be extra hard because of that, too. Well, and a couple of things you said in there. I mean, they got to get lined up fast. UNC will push them. Yeah. And they haven't been handling that well this season. They've uh, There's been countless times where I'm watching Notre Dame's D-line and linebackers are looking to the sideline. And the other team's already lined up, ready to go. So they're going to have a lot of things pushing them out of their comfort zone. Uh, against North Carolina, and they're going to have to respond appropriately. Uh, by the way, they're running back. Omarion Hampton has 228 yards rushing, six yards per carry, five touchdowns, 76 yards per game. Look, every one of their numbers are going to look good when they are averaging 51.3 points per game. <laughs> so this will be a big challenge for the Notre Dame defense, to say the least. All right, support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tyrac. Tyrac also underwrites our internship program of students from our two Michiana Catholic high schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcasts of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices, Tyrac.com. All right, UNC's defense, not good. They give up 37.7 points per game, and that was to Florida A&M, Appalachian State, and Georgia State. So, look, there's some opportunities here. Notre Dame's got to score some points, and that's that's the bottom line here. Well, and you can detract from North Carolina's offense or defense by looking at, you know, they've only played teams that you can't really compare to and are not that great, but their defense letting up 37.7 points against anyone is, is not yeah. good for them, and... If Drew Pine can come out the way he played in the second half with a confidence and mistake-free mentality going into that game, he really could get that offense going, especially with some of the threats that they worked in with Tyree and Styles. It could work really well, or if they get in their own heads and hurt themselves, I, I don't think North Carolina's defense is going to take a step back. Uh, bottom line is they got to move the chains. If they score a touchdown in one play, fine. But you just can't have three and outs or drive stalling. You you can't waste opportunities against North Carolina because of the way North Carolina's offense is going to play. Well, and if Notre Dame does get the chains moving, they will succeed. I mean, they, they're 7-for-7 seven seven on scoring in the red zone and 6-for-7 on touchdowns in the red zone. So if they do get moving, they will find a way to score but especially against North Carolina <laughs> the the thing is I think against North Carolina is are they going to be moving forward or are they going to be moving backwards with penalties and fumbles and mistakes? yeah that's and look they got to win the turnover battle on this one yeah that, that I mean again they have not they have not forced a turnover yet this year 
granted, they basically did at the end of last week's <laughs> game. Never seen anyone closer in the history of sport than that was. Uh, but they got to be plus in the turnover yeah. battle, in my opinion. If they do that, I think they're going to be okay. Um, real quick, junior linebacker Cedric Gray, 33 tackles, two TFLs, one interception. He's the ACC linebacker of the week. Sure. That's uh, that's the biggest thing we're going to say about North Carolina's defense. Watch him post a shutout today or something. Um <laughs> What do you want to see from the Irish today to if they're going to come away with a victory? Well, I already said it a little bit. Drew Pine needs to come out and be a field commander for this offense. He needs to be calm, collected, not like he was last week. And they really need a mistake-free game on offense because it's obviously, as we said, not going to be UNC's defense that's holding them up. It would be themselves not letting them get downfield. That's what they need to do on offense. Then on defense... Uh, I mean, I think you got to pressure Drake May. That's the key. They have a great quarterback. Their offensive line hasn't been tested three, three yeah. well, two freshmen and a redshirt freshman. And defensive line last week for Notre Dame played better. Was, we haven't mentioned that. We should precisely. So if Foskey and Cross and everyone can get back in there and and pressure him on every play, I mean, they're not going to get anywhere if their quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball or they get back and stop the running game. All right, what's your prediction? I think. That defensive line is going to come through for Notre Dame. I think they're going to shut down the offense a lot more than people are expecting. I think Notre Dame's going to pull this one out 28-25. to 25? That's a weird number. All right. Uh, I got Notre Dame 34-31. Uh, so, I mean, we're both in the same wavelength, but we'll see what happens. I think neither of us would be surprised, though, if North Carolina ended up winning this game. All right. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Zach Smith. For John Brock, I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame at North Carolina, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff in Chapel Hill. You can watch nationally on ABC. We'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Enjoy today's game. Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes for a new episode of Truth in Charity every Wednesday during the noon hour. Each week, he has a conversation with host Kyle Hyman about scripture, saints, and church news. Listen to episodes anytime by going to spokestreet.com slash askbishop or search for Truth in Charity on any podcast app. Truth in Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.